0: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss Thursday's NBA trade deadline. Recapping the rumors that are out there on the potential for a matisse Thybulle trade, on backup center options, and on everybody's favorite topic, the chance the Sixers duck the luxury tax. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by a guy who has also read the Oxford Dictionary. Hey, Rich? I don't get it. You don't get it. You don't remember when 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 Kyrie uh, claimed to have read the Oxford Dictionary? No. All right, that happened. I can't. It, I there's can't been keep so up many different Kyrie. Kyrie stuff. Yeah.
1: And it gets so dark. So I, I just can't.
0: It does. He, he he is now threatening, or reportedly threatening. His camp is reportedly threatening. To not play another game for a contending team if he is not traded, I've, it's one of the wildest things I've ever seen. I
1: did, which I have definitely said that. at
0: least like six different times about Kyrie Irving alone.
1: I did keep up on that this week,
0: and I would just like to
1: say that I think the Coach of the Year award. I know some national people, like Danny Larue, and other people have have mentioned Doc getting the Sixers through the uh, through the wilderness.
0: I, I don't care who. Vaughan?
1: I think Jacques Vaughn's got to get it. I don't even care what the rest of the league's been doing. Jacques Vaughn, I don't know. Did they? I don't know if they won last night. They're eleven or ten games above five hundred right now. What? What yeah. with all this yeah. stuff, and they still have a guy quitting on the team in the middle of the season? It's just crazy. And
0: well, no, didn't you see his quote from like two weeks ago when he said that you know this year's been good because they don't have anyone with their foot out the door. They don't have anyone half bought in. I forget the exact quote, but he said something along that lines, taking a dig at James Harden, and then a week later he's sitting out the rest of the season because he didn't get the contract extension.
1: It's Dude, wild, I'm looking man. this up right now. They won last night. They beat Washington without Durant and Kyrie. Yeah. Washington, shame on you. Unbelievable. Jacques Vaughn, coach of the year. They should have like after that game was over, they should have had the trophy presentation on Brooklyn's floor. For uh, for Jacques Vaughn.
0: It's crazy. It's completely amazing. I've never seen a, team, a player mid-season on a contender threaten to sit out the rest of the season because he didn't get the contract extension that he wants. It is, look, maybe at some point just take a step back and think, no, it's not the team that is disrespecting me. It is a consequence of numerous past decisions Finally catching up to me, like just a little self-awareness, but he is completely incapable of that I don't know why we're starting a trade deadline podcast about Kyrie Irving, but he's in the news. Oh, and by the way, no way the Sixers pursue him. No way they should. No way they will. Don't worry about that. I Ugh. think
1: I saw. I don't know where Greg Wissinger is writing now. I think it's called King's Herald is where it is, but he's been a longtime King's writer. He got out in front and did the the classic blog move, which I think we've seen at Liberty Ballers from time to time. You do the clickbaity headline: Should the Kings yeah. pursue Kyrie Irving? And he just write,
0: "No." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's something else. Anyway, we will talk about other players who the Sixers could or could not be attached to. I guess where where in the world would you like to start this one off? Because I feel like there's a lot of different ways. We could go. I guess real quick, the the rumors that have sort of and the reports that have sort of been out there, in terms of of target, there was Neerlins Noel was reported on by, that was the Athletic, James Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt uh, was mentioned as a target by old LB colleague uh, and now Yahoo Sports writer Jake Fisher, and then there has been a lot of rumors or a lot of reports about Matisse Thibel. Sacramento Kings have interest in him, according to Mark Stein. Golden State has interest in him, in him, according to Keith Pompey, and Atlanta also has interest in him. Once again, according to Mark Stein, that's sort of like the I think the core Sixers-related rumors that have been out there. Am I missing any specific player uh, that has otherwise been reported? No, I think that's the main ones. Pretty quiet so far, um, rumor mill. In terms of draft capital, the Sixers have a. Pretty good uh, second round pick coming in here from Charlotte, unless things go completely batshit crazy. It's the best of Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta. That is very clearly Charlotte right now. That is a pretty good pick. Outgoing, they do not have a first round pick in this upcoming draft in 2023 or in 2025 or in 2027, which means they really can't trade a pick. Realistically, maybe trade one future first round pick, and that's a very long time out in the future. Yeah. So there's not a lot to trade in that regard. That that second round pick is probably going to be doing a little bit of heavy lifting because if they really want to add any kind of draft capital that has any kind of actual value to a trade, the only one they could really do is that 2023 second round pick from Charlotte.
1: Yeah, which will be in the low 30s, but yeah, and it's a second round pick. So those, those picks do have some value, but again, it's limited. And I, I guess that's my general point looking at the Sixers heading into this trade deadline is there interest in them bolstering the rotation yeah yeah there definitely is but I just keep coming back to do they have really anything that gets it done because and and part of the reason I would say that too is I think this roster is pretty good I think they have let's count one two three four five six seven i'll throw niang in there as well um they have seven players who feel like they're going to be a part of the playoff rotation and they wouldn't trade like they don't they wouldn't get as much value for those guys on the back end now if there is a blockbuster trade of some sort that involves tyrese Maxey, which i don't think is going to happen then that's really the only um exception to that rule but once you get past that level of player, whatever that is, I, I don't really think the Sixers have a ton to make a big move outside of uh, yep. outside of that, and that Remember. that means players like just attractive younger players. They they don't have too many. I think the the name that is clearly the the logical one is Matisse Dauble, who we'll talk about in a sec, uh, and then the salaries too. Like they just don't have. You know, we talked about Eric Gordon a couple minutes ago before we even Coming got the pod. pod yep.
0: They're, they're not getting to that number
1: yeah. with these or other guys that aren't in the $5 rotation. $19.5 million.
0: That was possible when you had Danny Green's um, torn ligament. You don't have that contract anymore. You have Anthony Melton, who's a very good player, a better player right now than Eric Gordon. He would almost be necessary to match. I, I guess maybe if you can convince him to take... They're not taking a three-year P.J. Tucker. So you start looking at it, and you've got Furkan Korkmaz at $5 million. Um Matisse-Thibel at 4.4. 4. Like, you're not getting to 19.5 is, is, I think, your general point. It would be very tough, very tough.
1: So, so yeah, it seems like you were going to get a younger player or a cheaper player just because of the, the matching salary. Um, but then you also added the other part is that in terms of picks, they don't have a lot either. They no. have that, that 2023 pick, and then after that, it's like yeah, a wasteland.
0: Then the other consideration here is the luxury tax. The Sixers right now about $1.2 million over the luxury tax. So they would need to shed a little bit of money to get under that. Part of the reason they would want to do that is revenue sharing. If you are below the luxury tax, you get a cut of the revenue sharing. Right now, there are projected to be, if the Sixers get under the luxury tax, there'd be $690 million in luxury tax penalties. The -the under-the-tax teams get half of that. So you're talking... $345 million, split that over 21 teams, that would be $16.4 million to each team under the luxury tax. So there's incentive for them to do that. And there's more incentive because if they do that, they can avoid the repeater tax next year. They're not going to hit the repeater tax this year. So the repeater tax is when you have paid the luxury tax in three of the previous four seasons, not including the season that you're currently in. So they've paid it the last two seasons. But if you look at it, in order to avoid eventually paying that repeater tax, they would have to avoid paying the luxury tax in two of the next three seasons to basically reset that clock. And this would be a prime opportunity for them to do that. Again, what does a repeater tax mean? There's basically a, a, there's levels to luxury tax payments. The first level is when you're less than $5 million over the tax, you pay $1.50 for every dollar you spend. If you're a repeater tax, it's $2.50 for every dollar in salary you spend. And it keeps going up and up and up. Uh, The repeater tax is basically a dollar more. Um, so at the high end of that threshold, it's $375 per dollar that you spend. The repeater tax will be $475 per dollar that you spend. So you, it's just a more punitive luxury tax system. And if the Sixers want to avoid that, then this is a prime opportunity to do so.
1: And the reason that they stand to make $18 million by getting under that tax. Yeah. Going yeah. from, you know, one or two million above it to just under it and then getting handed sixteen million dollars. Yeah. Is that teams like the Golden State Warriors are deep into that repeater tax, and it's something. And look, you know, moving forward, there's a lot of uncertainty for the Sixers. I do know one thing. I do know Joel Embiid is going to make like 15 million more dollars per season next year. So I, I think I do know Tyrese Maxey is due for an extension soon at some point. So it's a consideration. I, I you know, I'm conflicted on this because we we were. Here through the selling picks era, and yep. Josh Harris didn't like that. Um, and I I guess I would agree with him a little bit in that they eventually just ran out of picks to to use. That said, it, it did not feel great to see them just selling them for cash. Um, and I will give them credit that they are willing to spend for coaches, front office, yeah, things sure. like that. And they've paid the luxury
0: tax over the past couple of years. Doc and, um, Doc and, and Daryl are not cheap. Were they the right choices? I don't. I know. I mean, we could but, talk about return on investment, but that's a that's an off season podcast, probably.
1: So it never feels good, though, when you are, I don't know, no, skirting don't, the the luxury yeah. tax. Well, but, especially but it's, when you're it's a practical.
0: Con- though. It's, it's practical, but when, like when you're a contender, you know. And Daryl talks about if you have a five percent chance and you've got to go all in. Well, I don't really care about Josh Harris's sixteen million dollars. I don't care about whether or not he has enough to buy another yacht. I don't even know if he owns a yacht. I know he owns a helicopter because we see it every now and then in Camden. Yeah. Uh, the go. only thing I can say is if they duck the tax and they better have legitimately not been a move that they sacrificed to do so because otherwise that is pretty shitty. Um, we'll see. But that 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 is one consideration that exists. It's a consideration I think a lot of people are expecting them to pursue. It's one that quite frankly I kind of expect them to pursue uh even if i feel a little dirty about it you do like i said i don't give one shit about 16 million dollars to josh harris not one shit not even a little bit all all i had to do was bring
1: it up and the the yacht and the helicopter got brought up
0: (laughs) uh no look i
1: I agree it's i don't know it's a conflicting subject and I, i would agree with you that like there better not be a move that they can make. They're they, they are hard capped as well, so it's not like they can go- Yeah,
0: they're like five and a half million under the hard cap right now.
1: So, you know, they, they can't like take on a ton of money either. That's kind of another consideration. So being in, in that middle level, and it's just like, look, we don't care it would, about it. It would be tough they, they, for them to construct
0: a trade though that would have them bringing back five and a half million dollars more in salary. Like they've got enough flexibility where almost any trade that would be available to them is they can do. It's
1: true, uh, but they clearly care about it, and uh I don't know. I kind of understand it if if they're willing to pay moving forward, because I I don't think. Look, I, it'll it could affect their spending over the next couple years, right? And yeah. look, you know, billionaires got to eat this, too.
0: Billionaires got to eat. You don't want Josh <laughs> on, Harris man. going. You know, what happened to you? The longest view in the room. Well, look, You're I'm,
1: making me defend Josh Harris now. But. <laughs> Okay, whatever. But I I think they are <laughs> going to try and get under that I agree. Uh, I
0: agree.
1: That luxury tax and the the obvious candidates to trade there are Furkan Korkmaz and Jaden Springer. Attach I I guess the other question is like what what's going to get it done though? Is that going to be cash considerations because they can they can pay people some money to, to do that? Is it going to be a second round pick? Well, they don't have too many of those. Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't want them to trade the, the freaking 33rd pick in the draft this year. No, no. But
0: they don't have
1: picks anymore, man. So no, I, I know, you know,
0: the PJ um, Tucker, the tampering and Daniel house. I mean, part of the problem here is they guaranteed uh, Jaden Springer's contract for next year. They picked up that option. This would be a lot easier to do if they didn't, but what is the cap on what they can spend? Give outgoing money in a trade. I, I should probably know. I'm that pretty sure that. I saw this on
1: Spot Rack. I, I think they haven't spent any of it yet. It's $6.4 million.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, if they get to the point where no incoming trade, no trade has been available to them that would improve their playoff chances, and they want to give a team a couple million dollars to get rid of Jaden Springer, I'd rather do that than attach a pick to do so. Uh, I probably won't, you know. Be too upset at that kind of a move to duct the tax, but yeah, I don't know. To me, it's it's a lot about the opportunity and what you. It, it's more so whether or not they end up turning down opportunities to duck the tax than it would be, you know, jettisoning, you know, Springer or even Corkmaz at this point because Corkmaz, all Corkmaz has another year left. That's not the easiest contract in the world to move. No, no. there it,
1: it's just. They're they're very hamstrung in a lot of ways. And and I say that while they have a pretty good roster. So like yeah. is it the worst situation in the world if they just relatively do nothing and they have to go to war in the playoffs with this roster? No, I actually think they're better equipped than they have been in past years. But in terms of making the fun, exciting trade at the trade deadline, which we all are chasing. Everybody is waiting in the slop right now, trying to trying to find that trade. It's uh it, it might be hard for them. So so let me let me ask you this bigger need for them wing defender, maybe bigger wing defender yeah, yeah, or backup center.
0: It's always wing defender on 29 out of 30 teams. It's probably wing defender. Every team in a league, every playoff team in a league is on the hunt for them. Could use another one you can never be like man we have too many people who can play defense and shoot that's not something a coach or a gm has ever said in the last 15 years i might right. be pursuing a backup this is the one team where you're like i've been scarred too many times our backup center options range from either really bad in trez to completely untrusted in paul reed i and quite frankly a backup center is just easier to acquire because there's not 29 teams and because there's not 16 playoff teams pursuing them, it's a little easier to get your hands on one. They don't make any money is, either. Yeah, than it is a, a, a wing. So I think backup center might be more likely, um, but it's tough for me to ever say that a 3 N D d wing isn't a bigger need because I just think in, the, in today's NBA, that's always the biggest need for almost every contender.
1: And that brings us into why I think... Even if the Sixers are completely hamstrung, the Matisse Thybul discussion, I think it's very interesting it wh- what they decide to do with him because I notice you amended it to three and D at the end of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Which I agree. That's that, that's again where that could Matisse, just become
0: from the scarring of the last couple of years of Markel and Ben, PJ and Matisse, and all of these non-shooters. But yes, yeah.
1: But the reason I said wing defender is because this team, for the most part, I think this team is set offensively. Like, I, I'm i willing to go to war with this team in the playoffs. And I'll say, you know, maybe they don't win, but to me, there are the ingredients here to be a really good playoff offense. You have Harden and Embiid playing at a high level, and you just have a ton of shooting around them. A ton. Um, you know, it doesn't always feel like it when Tobias is passing up threes, but there is a lot of I think they're like, fourth or fifth in the NBA and three point percentage they get him up at an above average rate
0: I believe still it's it's like right around average though. it's like right around n- slightly above average yeah mm-hmm. I'd always love to see that volume go up but when you've got Joe and uh his mid-range game it's probably never going to be towards the top
1: I think Maxi being out of rhythm has kind of hurt them too when he's when he's feeling it he starts to turn into a little more of a gunner and I mean that in a positive way and he just he has not felt quite at that level. So that's why Matisse is interesting to me, because to me, their biggest issue is perimeter defense.
0: Yep. And, you've, and yet they is, have is a guy. Any, is there a better perimeter defender on the trade market than Matisse? I don't,
1: I don't know. Probably
0: not, right? You have a guy
1: outside of your rotation. He is fundamentally, and now I'm not saying that's right or wrong, because look, I know there are a bunch of people screaming the on-off numbers, all those things at, at me that that he needs to be playing more. They have a guy who they are not playing who theoretically solves their biggest weakness. And it's just a fascinating situation to me. And look, the reason is very simple. The reason is that they do not trust him in a playoff setting. It's just, it's completely obvious. Now, I guess the other reason is there is a little bit more depth this year. Now people are screaming, PJ sucks right now. Okay, fine, whatever. But there is more depth than they have had in past years last year. Like they were starting Matisse in some of these games. Uh, yeah, done. Fresh starts, Matisse, yeah. yeah. So what what do you do with this guy? I guess is my my ultimate point here.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I truthfully don't know the. Answer. I I think it's pretty clear that Doc doesn't trust him in a playoff setting, at least not right now. And if Doc's not going to play him, then how much value is he going to add in? Like he he can't, he can't fix a Sixers defense from the bench. He just can't do it. But I do look at it and it's like outside of maybe like Caruso, if the bulls blow shit up, like he might be the best perimeter defender on the market, you know, by a pretty long way too. Uh, so yeah, like you look at it from the reporting standpoint, Sacramento has interested him. Atlanta has interested him two teams desperate for perimeter defense. Well, sixers aren't getting going to get an improvement in their perimeter defense from those two teams. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that's part of the reason why it's like, all right, well, Give me not Nas Reed. Give me Jared Vanderbilt. Like at least I, I can slot them in. Uh, and even with their deficiencies, you can play Vanderbilt as a backup center, even though he's undersized and not a shooter. Be great to have an energy guy like that. You can plug Nas Reed in who I think should be available because quite frankly, Minnesota has a lot of big men if you noticed, and he'll be a free agent. So I think someone like that who you can get relatively cheap I think it can just make a bigger impact because I'm not sure I see a a defensive wing who is going to play. If Bible can't, if Bible can't crack the rotation, anyone they're going to get, I'm not sure they will either.
1: It's a good question. Now, how much do you factor in next season for Matisse? Stiebel six years have his bird rights. He's going to be a restricted free agent as a first round pick. Don't know how much money he's going to get, even if he could help, even if teams are interested in him, you know, he's a limited player. Yeah, I don't. We don't know how much he'll play in the playoffs. Like, I don't. Like, what? What do you take? Take a ballpark. I'll give you like a five million dollar wiggle room. For, oh, well, that, where, that's where, a pretty big
0: wiggle room. Uh, six to eleven. Six to eleven. I would have. I would have said. I think six to eight, six to nine. was my my original. before you gave me extra wiggle room? That was where I was thinking.
1: On a four year deal, you think?
0: Yeah, somewhere in there. Somewhere maybe it takes cheaper. Just to try to hit. Nah, nah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So
1: it depends. Like, do you, I don't think you're
0: talking. If, if he got like 15 mil a year, I'd be pretty surprised.
1: Does that hold value to you? <sighs> I think it does to me because f- first off, he yeah. can play in a regular season rotation. Like, I, I I know he's frustrating and the bonehead fouls at the end of the game, and and I do think the the on off numbers are overstating his impact this year. I'm just gonna say that pretty clearly. But even in terms of having someone who can slide into the rotation next year, who can be a kind of a mid-tier salary that you can get the Eric Gordons of the world maybe in future seasons with uh, with Matisse. I don't know. Uh, but
0: not specifically Eric Gordon, because at that point he'll be 35, 36 years old. That's what I mean. You know, we can retire out. that rumor at some point, right? Please?
1: More playoff ready person. You know, you Derek, said you Derek, said Derek someone Sick of will- Eric Gordon.
0: You said someone like Eric Orr and you, yeah, I, that's fair. That's fair. No, I, 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 don't disagree with you. I'm not like banging the drums to ship Matisse Leibel out of town. You know, I do think if if the on-off numbers this year have shown something, it's that at least in the regular season you can have and look. Nobody is defending Matisse Leibel anymore on the perimeter than they were in previous years. In the regular season, at least, you can slot Matisse Leibel in there and still have a functioning high-level offense,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is why I'm a little surprised not playing a little more. Because, like, at some point, if he's not actually hurting you on offense, like maybe try to you know push that to its logical limit and see where that limit is. You know, if you don't get a good offer for him, bring him back, see if the playoffs are any different, and see if that calculus changes now that Embiid and Harden and, and all of them have found their groove together. Maybe you can find a way to hide Matisse a little better. I'm with that. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I, let's Look at put it the, this way. If Matisse-Leibel ends up being the trade to get them to duck the tax, then I think you should oh, raise hell as fans.
1: Oh, that's... Yeah, that would be ridiculous. No, that's not the... That you know, has to be
0: actually getting somebody you think can be a playoff performer. But it, it's just so
1: fascinating to me that they have this guy who they don't trust at all in a playoff series. I think they're they don't trust him for a decent reason. They've they've seen it in past years. Like they've seen, say what you want about Doc. I think he is completely scarred about that game six against Miami, when he threw Matisse out there to start the second half, wanted some defense, and he had to pull him after like two or three possessions because it was a joke. They weren't guarding him at all. They couldn't score those things. I I, I think there is like good reason for them yeah. to be at least afraid of what Matisse is doing. Uh, what Matisse could represent in the playoffs, the one-way players we talked about at the end of the year. I, I don't, like, remember Daryl Morey at the end of the season was like, we got to get rid of the one-way players. Like, we got to mm. try and get away from that. It's just like, I, I don't think having a decent regular season where you don't look like a different offensive player at all should change that thought no, process. I agree. I agree. That, that, that
0: concern, yeah, that concern is 100% still there, 100%.
1: But I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I mean 117 offensive rating when he's in, cleaning the glass. 75th percentile of of all lineups, I think that is. That's that's enough because his defense is really good. His defense is good in the the ways you would expect. They do foul a little bit more, but man, do they turn teams over. Do they force tougher shots? Teams just don't score as much on uh on him. It's just it's a fascinating thing to me because I for me, I, I I would it would have some value to to bring him back.
0: You know what I'm hearing you say? What pair him with Nerlens? Let oh, them no. just completely <laughs> turn teams over, and get out in the break, and dribble it off their foot. That's what I'm hearing.
1: That would be like a we'd get back to early 2000s scoring. <laughs> yeah. at that they'd be like yep. Pistons Pacers 03 80 78. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be fucking crazy. Get get Covington back too, and, and oh we have we
0: haven't even mentioned. Welcome back, Jaw. Congratulations, found his way back to the Sixers organization. If you missed the news, the the blue coach traded for him, traded for his rights. He's currently out of lineup with, I forget what the injury is, but he's been out since middle of December. Doesn't seem like he is anywhere close to playing again. And to be 100% clear, because it gets confused all the time, he is on a G League contract. He cannot play with the Sixers unless he signs an NBA contract. The Sixers, if they wanted to, could have signed him to an NBA contract before trading for him. It just means if he plays again in the G League, he would be playing for the Blue Coats. That's it. That's it. That's it. But I would love it if they signed, uh, if they traded for nerlands and we could have Ja versus Okafor, or Ja versus nerlands debates once again. I have missed that in my life.
1: Well, nerlands would be on the actual NBA team. So yeah, it's just I don't know. When when you have Thibault, it's a guy it, it just feels like a waste if you're not gonna play him in the in the postseason. It just feels like a waste to just have him chilling there. And I, I get that he could be somebody that you kind of reintegrate moving forward, maybe when you you have to make some tougher roster decisions and he could be somebody you could move into trade at some point. But uh I don't know, it feels like a little bit of a waste to me. Cause I frankly even though the on-off numbers have gotten better this year, he has not changed as a player to me at all. No, like, I think this is who he is. He's going to be this guy who can—I uh, think the Zach Lowe term—he could fuck shit up. You know, he's he's that type of player where he'll just cause havoc on defense, and he's really good at it. And sometimes he'll commit some fouls, but you know, do they trust him as, as somebody who can play in the playoffs? And I, I don't know. That's that's why it's fascinating, like, the decision to hold on to him or not. Because, you know, I will say, even even the people who are super skeptical of him, which I think I probably lean more towards than the, uh, than the people who want him to play more, I, I think all of us can admit he is the best pick, player, whatever, that they have available to trade. So yeah. it, it's logical why he comes up.
0: No, look. If you can trade Matisse Thybul, if you have, if, if Doc has basically said, I'm not saying Doc has said this, but if Doc has told in this hypothetical, if Doc has told Daryl Morey, I don't trust him in the playoffs, I don't want him on the court, and you can trade him for somebody that Doc will put on the court, I think you have to strongly consider it. Assuming that <laughs> I should be careful Ooh, how I phrase that. Somebody
1: Doc will put him on the court.
0: Just because Doc will put him on the court doesn't necessarily mean that he will help. But if you can, find someone who doc will put on the court and you believe will help you in those minutes then i think you've got to consider it because like you said he can't help you from the bench and as much as you listening to this you're hearing this and you're saying well then doc has to fucking play him well that's not reality like doc sets the rotations i can sit here and scream about it you can scream about it it's not going to change it if he's not going to play him, then he's not going to help you in the playoffs. And I do think the Sixers have enough championship equity. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Is that 5%? Is that 10%? I'm not sure. But I think they have to consider it. Because if Doc is just, like you said, scarred from a couple years ago, or from last year, and even two years ago, I think they've got to consider everything. Um, but I am skeptical whether or not they can get somebody better than him in a trade. Yeah, and and look, you know
1: even to play devil's advocate with what I just said, even to have him as insurance, let's say PJ turns into that guy this this year. Let's say PJ stinks it up, but you do need some level of defense. Having Matisse chilling there and just having somebody who you can say, all right, we're going to give you five minutes and we're going to see how it goes.
0: Yeah.
1: There probably is some value in that. Yeah. No, uh, I think
0: I'm right in the middle. I think I, um, 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 think there's value in keeping him around but also I understand why his name is the one popping up in trade rumors. And yeah. the devil really comes down to the details on what they get offered and where Doc stands on his his willingness to play uh, Matisse.
1: It's one where I kind of see all sides of it, honestly. Because, again, I, I do think this is a better team. It's Part of the reason he doesn't play is that it's a better team than it right, was. Because they have series.
0: Melton. Yeah.
1: Because they have Tucker, who I know a lot of people think stinks. But it, it is funny that PJ is the guy that they trust. They are continuing to play PJ because they believe that the playoffs are going to give them a payoff where Matisse, it's the opposite. They just don't really buy that. Uh, let me let me ask you about backup center. You mentioned Nas Reed. I would rather have more of a rim protector, if possible, than Nas Reed. I think he's a good player.
0: Sure. I mean, I think I'm mostly going on who I think can actually be acquired. Yeah. Uh, I think he is, like I said, because they have Gobert, and Towns, because he will be an un- unrestricted free agent because he's cheap, and also because he's a capable backup center. I think that's sort of where my mind goes. But yeah, if you're telling me, get me a rim protector, I don't I don't disagree with that.
1: Just because I'm so worried about the backup units defense. like the, I think part of the reason Paul Reed, who has turned into a question mark this year, unfortunately, the, the reason B-Ball Paul worked in the playoffs last year is that he could cover up for the kitchen sink lineup yep. Yep. defensive deficiencies because the kitchen sink lineup has Maxi and Harden on the court. So I think you would tend to get a little more uh, defensive there, but like, look, Nas Reed with Harden could let, Nas Reed could let Harden play legitimately five out basketball, which would be pretty interesting, right? Yep. Like that, that would be a chance. So if, if I had to bet, I think the backup center is the likeliest move that they make. I, I if I had to pick, I think it'll be luxury tax and backup center, would be the two things.
0: All right. So, stays. I guess we'll we'll throw that out and we'll four names we'll mention here. Nasri talked about Jared Vanderbilt briefly mentioned. I think Mason Plumley could be on the move from Charlotte. Oh I can't watch that. <laughs> uh Kelly Olenek and Nurlands Noel. I extended that to five do you think any of those have a possibility and what would your preference be?
1: Oh yeah. I think a lot of them have a possibility. I, to me, I think it's been expressed to me that when you're talking about Olinick and Vanderbilt, there definitely is some interest from the Sixers standpoint there. Utah is going to be asking for a high
0: price. Yes. And that is something cases. I have heard, not from the Sixers, from other teams that Utah's asking price right now is very high for, you know, relatively high for, for all of them. But, We've still got, you know, four days here uh, for that to come down. And that usually doesn't come down there until the final 24 hours.
1: If you made me pick a player of that group, I'm taking Kelly Olenek pretty
0: easy. Even though it goes against your previous statement of you want room protection. You just he's, said, fuck it, give me five out.
1: Yeah, but he's, he's a, a better player. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I, I would trust him more. Uh, and then... I guess what I would have to look at the Vanderbilt at five minutes. If that's if that's something you can do, you can do it.
0: Like he's, I do, I, I like him a lot because he's young, he's cheap contract wise, is athletic, defensively versatile, and just a lot of energy. Which they don't have athletic energy. They don't have a lot of, uh, but I think he might be tough to get. The I reports are be. that they are looking for a first round pick for him. And I don't know if you meant if you were listening at the beginning of this podcast. That's not exactly what the Sixers have a lot to trade.
1: No. So then you get to Plumlee. I I, I just almost don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch the free throws.
0: <laughs> that's a fair point. What's he up to right now? I don't care. I he was in the thirties
1: last year, right? I just don't want to watch it though. The, the lefty, <laughs> the shooting or whatever. So
0: would you cross Nick Claxton off your list then?
1: No, because I lo- like watching him more on defense. offensive <laughs>
0: Okay. So the rest of the game can make up for the free throws.
1: Look, as we have established over the past five minutes,
0: <laughs> I'm, fl- I'm a little You're fluid flexible, with my, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, you know,
1: I'm a little inconsistent with my, uh, with my criteria. It's okay. We'll live. Uh, and then you get to, you get the Nerlens and, and who's the other one you mentioned? Oh, Nasrid. I feel like Nasrid is a better player, but Nerlands is who I would want more just because I, I like the rim protection. I think that, that's not fair. I think I would rather have Nasrid.
0: Nasrid is a better player to me than New okay. at this point. I think it's fair. I think there's a decent chance some of them could, some of those players could be moved. Uh, and I think they would all be varying degrees of fits with what these, they, I'd take them all over a Trez. I guess that's sort of like the point. Some of them cost a little bit of money. Uh, I agree with you. I would not love watching Plumley play, but you know, I don't love watching Trez play either. don't love watching Trez play. Uh, and the real question is how many of those could you get without giving up a first round pick? We'll see. We'll see. Any, uh, any wings sort of stand out to you?
1: Just hard to find somebody who's, you know, within the Sixers price range. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. Other sort of, you get into like like Alec Burks gets mentioned. You know, he's yeah, like somebody who's brought to up repeat quickly. The Alec Burks, totally. That was three. That was unexciting three years ago. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like Four he's not ago. even like a defensive
0: wing. He's just another scoring guard, and you've kind of got that covered. Yeah. The Pistons are certainly a team to watch out for. Sadiq Bay, for whatever reason, gets mentioned as a you know trade trade to young wing instead of your older wings. I'm not sure time. I get that, but the Sixers will not be able to bid for that. Other teams are blowing it up. It'll be interesting to see what Toronto does, uh, what the fallout from the Kyrie situation is. Not that I think the Sixers... Here's what I'll say. If the Nets weren't willing to cave in to uh, KD's demands in the summer, if he makes a similar demand now, I don't know why they would cave in now. And he hasn't made a demand. He hasn't, to my knowledge, even really commented on the Kyrie situation. But I don't think there's anything that would happen there with the Nets, which would really impact the Sixers at this year's trade deadline. We'll see. I, uh, look, also, there. the Bulls, could the Bulls pivot a little bit away from their win-now push with the season they're having? It'll be interesting to watch. Those three teams will sort of be interesting. Drummond. Yeah, Drummond, there you go. There you go. I would, I would
1: take Drum over Trez in five seconds
0: sure no for sure i agree with that i agree with that i don't trust him in playoffs either but i trust him more than i trust trez
1: yeah maybe i'm just looking back at the uh the fun moments of january at- 2022 when when the sixers <laughs> were rolling <laughs> you're still was scoring six, a billion six points rows in the stands and, and trez or uh and drum was rebounding everything and
0: killing people in the eighth row with his passes <laughs> yeah. i miss that guy um I think, I think you're probably in terms of, of probability. I think you're probably right. Most likely not something a lot of people want to hear myself included. Most likely ducking tax second, most likely being a backup center in part, just because they are easier. You know, if you're a three D wing, you can walk and chew gum. Like you, there's going to be a lot of teams bidding for you and the Sixers don't have a lot of a uh, lot to offer. So I think backup center could be the more likely target.
1: I, uh, re- real quick before we go, just because this uh, this certainly piqued my interest. I was listening to, to Dunked On, a good show that all, they mention us a lot. They do like a mock trade deadline every year where they each kind of, I think they have Kevin Pelton yep. on and they, they each kind of take the role of GMs of teams. It's, it's a very nerdy but fun exercise that I, I enjoy. They came up with the Sixers in the blockbuster trade where they traded, I believe this was straight up, Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey for OG Anunoby and okay. Gary Trent.
0: Okay. I mean, look, that's not a crazy trade. I don't think uh, it's too crazy. I don't I think, think the Sixers think, would do it, but. I think if you are talking yeah. about strictly what raises our championship probability this year and maybe next year, you can make a pretty strong case for that. Yep. My question is, would that core, would that, you know, Embiid, Harden, OG core have enough championship equity to give up that length of Tyrese Maxey's career. And that would be my big question besides any of the emotional attachment that fans have. And I I get that hundred percent. My question would be, is there enough championship equity in that, that core to justify giving up all those years of Tyrese? If I had to bet, I think, yeah,
1: I think if you basically slide OG in, although, it is tough. I like losing Tobias to me is not nothing. Although getting, getting Trent back is kind of a bench shooter, you know, 60%, 70% of Tyrese at his best kind yep. of guy is that that's helpful too. Um, I, I, I tend to think, OG having somebody to stick on the Tatums on the Durant, it would be on, very
0: beneficial. Yeah.
1: It would yeah. be nice. Uh, I, I probably would. I we think that also team shoot probably the
0: upper thirties from three. Yeah.
1: I think that team probably has a better chance to win this season just because I am a believer in Embiid and Harden Mm -hmm. really doing pretty much everything for you offensively as long as the other guys can make threes. Uh, So, yeah. But it's like you said, is that shift enough to give up Tyrese Maxey's career? And I think for me the answer to that is no. But it it certainly was a a good little thought exercise that I I was going over.
0: I would lean no to... But I do think it would increase the odds this year. I'd, mm-hmm. Like that that team, you look at that Harden, Melton, OG. Who's your starting four? Uh, Is it still PJ? PJ, but you could play. Yeah, I guess it would be PJ. And, and, and Joel. Like that team makes a lot of sense. A lot of the defensive concerns that you would have, both the concerns of the small backcourt and the concerns that You don't really have anyone to stick on the Tatums and Giannis of the world. Just sort of like go away. You don't lose a whole lot of floor spacing to do that. I think that team would clearly be better equipped to beat the Bostons and the Milwaukee's of the world than the current team. But like this and this is something I'm trying to figure out now. Like what's their actual like championship probability? Is it 7%? Is it 12%? I'm not sure where I'm at right now. But like let's say it's let's say it's 10% just an even number. Does that take it to 20% or does that take it to like 13%? I'm not sure. That's a calculus I would have to do to give up uh, what's a really promising young career.
1: Really promising. I, thi- I think the other part of that too, And we don't know if the Sixers are thinking this way. We have maybe some reporting that w- would say that they're not thinking this way. Uh, you would have to bring Harden back at that
0: point as well. Yeah. Yeah. And OG's on a, a really good contract right now. He's at like 17 and a half. The, um, I think he has two more years left. Oh, might be an option in there.
1: The The other thing that worries me about him though, a little bit in that exercise, and by the way, I don't think this is happening. I think we're just kind of bullshitting right now. Yeah. Is uh, I, I would just worry with about him. Also the it other six the like podcast a
0: little... would be calling him Og the entire time. <laughs> that would be entertaining. Yeah.
1: It, it seems like he's a little unhappy with his role in Toronto you know, he's yeah. kind of a three and D guy and he wants to do more. And frankly, he can't do more. He's just supposed to be, he's awesome in the right D role. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. So
0: I don't would know. He come, I don't would he come here? Like, you know, he'd probably be third option, but would he be happy being a third option? I don't know. No, but like if you had that starting five
1: and you got Miami PJ, you have four plus defenders and Harden. That's, yeah. that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. And some of them are, are more than plus like Embiid and OG would be incredible to, Two yeah. of them are two of them
1: are plus plus. Melton's plus and yeah, t- yeah. I'm
0: just making that would up be... a I'm making up a new scouting term. No, plus, I got you, plus, but they're, I got yeah,
1: you. they're good.
0: <laughs> okay, no, I th- I think that would pretty clearly be a better team this year. It's just how much do you value that over Maxie's career? Uh, I would pro I-, I would certainly be. It would be tough for me to pull that trigger. It would Be tough.
1: I think all I right, value Maxie's career too, but yeah, that's all.
0: So recapping, we're thinking small trade. I don't want. I don't care about a name because sometimes people then take that and put too much weight in what we say. Small backup center type deal is what we're thinking. Thinking backup
1: center and Corker Springer getting out of here for, for luxury tax purposes.
0: Go Josh Harris. All right. Thank you, Rich for jumping on (laughs) and we will talk to you soon.
1: (laughs) See you, man.